you can very easily make a subconscious or mildly conscious decision about the most lucrative thing to do next or the most attractive or the most interesting or extrinsically compelling right but there was something inside of me that said you know what why don't you pause and take stock of who you are and where you come from on a holistic level not just professionally what you've learned what you enjoyed what you didn't what you're good at what you're bad at but who are you as a person this is before it's too late i'm your host christian susan Let's learn together what matters most in life. It makes me very happy to have Sunil Arora as my guest in today's episode. I have hardly met people who are able to convey their inner growth process with such richness and wisdom. Sunil is sharing with us his wonderfully weird path to his true calling, which was becoming a fulfilled and successful coach. It was both the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and the biggest gift I've ever given to myself. He's telling us about his personal transformation. We will hear from him how he left his life of privilege and forced himself to sit with his own thoughts in a way he never had before. How challenging it was to deal with that open space in which all of a sudden there was no email to respond to, nothing that he had to do how he dealt with what he calls the soundtrack of expectations, both internal and external, regarding the big, ever-so-relatable what's-next question. No wonder Sunil's legacy is truly meaningful. Being as conscious, as self-aware, and as intentional as you can during the lifetime you're given This is how he would love to be remembered, including helping others with being exactly that. Last but not least, we can also learn from him how to process loss and death. When he was in college, Sunil lost his father, and this event has shaped him in a deep way. He got involved with a non-profit organization called Experience Camps that creates experiences for grieving children. So let's get ready for a profound conversation with wonderful Sunil Arora. Hello, Sunil. Welcome to Before It's Too Late. Hi there. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm absolutely excited to be talking with you today, Sunil, about your wonderful story. Um, but before we dig into that deeper, I am really curious... How has COVID changed you so far, if at all? It's a great question that I've actually been reflecting on a lot uh, over the last few months as we uh, see some signs of uh, the end of this long and dark tunnel with uh, vaccinations being available here in the States and spring and summer arriving for us in, in New York City. Uh, and, and the two things that come to mind for me are One, the appreciation of how the last year slowed time down in a really wonderful and healthy way for me and my family. Mm -hmm. And wanting to figure out how we carry that forward, right? But by uh, force of circumstance, those of us who were privileged to be healthy and have 
resources and be able to work from home and adjust fairly easily um, had much more open calendars. And that in and of itself slowed time down because we were trying to cram fewer things into the same amount of time. Uh, and there is a possibility without being intentional and thoughtful about it that we could go right back to that cramming of activities and appointments and uh, outings into our time versus being more spacious around it and, and slowing time down. So uh, an appreciation for that, the, the idea of slowing time down, it, it being in our control is one thing I'm taking forward from the last year. Uh, and the other is an appreciation of not waiting right? in honor of the uh, beautiful title of this, uh, this podcast of before it's too late. Uh, this idea of don't wait until uh, you have the milestone birthday or event or time to, to celebrate. If the opportunity presents itself and you're healthy and you have the resources, uh, go do the thing, enjoy the thing. Uh, and too often I feel like we wait for, uh, when I'm X years old or when I have this milestone or that event, we'll, throw the celebration or we will go there or we will enjoy this. Uh, but I, this last year, I think hopefully can remind all of us to not do that because nobody knows uh, what the future holds as uh, you and I know all too well. I really love that. So because that's actually really the essence of COVID being a timely reminder that our life doesn't go on forever. And, We live in a society and a time where we almost thought there is a tomorrow f forever. So uh, our life goes on forever and ever. And uh, with all the progress um, in medical and tech, we're all striving for the longest possible life. But COVID really reminded us that this is not the case. <laughs> So um, I, I've, I think that's great. You're finding your takeaway of COVID and how it has changed you. Sunil, you have established since five years a thriving, meaningful and very successful coaching business. However, um, when we spoke earlier, you were sharing with me that your path to this coaching business is wonderfully weird. Sure. So, Sunil, I would really appreciate if you could share with us uh, your wonderfully weird path to what you're doing now and how it fulfills you so much now, your life. Sure. Thank you for that. I use that term often just to highlight that there is no straight line for anybody in life, in my opinion. Uh, and to give listeners context here, if you're not familiar with the coaching industry or backgrounds that people typically come from, uh, usually it's uh, organizational psychology, learning and development, some form of human resources, uh, psychotherapy. Those are you know, traditional backgrounds for people who come into the coaching space. Uh, for me, my background is in none of those things. Tell us more about what your background is. It starts at the beginning in terms of my origin story. Um, born and raised in um, Silicon Valley, in the northern part of California, uh, as the proud product of the classic immigrant story. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad came to the the states a long time ago from India to do his graduate studies here in New York City, uh, where I live now, uh, and he came here, worked hard, uh, started life, went back, had a arranged marriage uh, to my mom, um, brought her to this country, and they started a beautiful life together, the product of which was my privileged existence, where, as I like to say, I was born with a winning lottery ticket to life of health, opportunity, and education um, yeah. in this, uh, this great circumstance in the Bay Area. Uh, so that was the foundation for me of two courageous, enterprising, loving parents who their focus was just giving myself and my two older sisters um, all the opportunity that they could. Uh, I took that foundation and the child of immigrant mentality and had a fairly straightforward type A hard work, high achiever path. Uh, I studied business and sociology uh, for my undergraduate studies um, at UC Berkeley. And then I spent the first uh, almost decade of my career working in finance uh, before Around the time of the financial crisis of 2008, I went to grad school to study international finance and economic policy. Uh, I was struck at the time by what had just happened to our uh, national and international economy, how we got there, where we would go from that point, and I really wanted to think about it from a policy and public angle. Um, Did that work for a few years, learned a ton, uh, grew a lot, met some amazing people. Uh, And then there was another opportunity that presented itself in the world of uh, financial technology, a startup company that I uh, was connected to in California. Uh, I'd grown up with some of the founders and early employees there. They approached me to start and run the New York office for this company. Um, And I went and I I did that uh, for a few years and learned some wonderfully difficult and impactful leadership lessons around uh, myself as a leader and a manager, early company and culture building, and uh, and grew a lot uh, in that time. But got to a place where after a few years, I was a little burnt out in a classic startup sense um, and uh, did something for the first time in my life that was very out of character and uh, off path for me, which was uh, decided to make my transition in some white space. Uh, I hit pause on my my career at that point and went into my own personal wilderness for a, uh, a period of time to do some mental exercising for the first time and to flesh out a few business ideas uh, I had. So, Neil... Sorry to interrupt at this point. Um, that is so interesting. What was this pivotal moment when you said, I want to pause and I want to step back for a moment and I want to go into the white space? Yeah. Um, what was it exactly that you have learned about yourself maybe or uh, what was the pivotal moment or what was the insight you had that drove that decision? It's a a fantastic question that uh, I appreciate your asking because the key to my whole path and the work I do is in the answer to that question, which was I had this intuitive feeling that something has pushed me from um, opportunity to opportunity and chapter to chapter but it has not been conscious and intentional. 
I, I have this mm-hmm. appreciation somewhat vaguely of what I've been given from my privilege of existence. Uh, and I went in search of more. Uh, I want to learn more. I want to do more. At first in finance, then in the policy world, then in the tech world. New things, exciting things. Uh, but I had never answered more of what and why. And I realized that uh, as a result of having a lot of options, right, at that stage, I could have continued to work in the tech space. I could have gone back to finance. I could have gone to the policy world. Uh, you can very easily make a uh, subconscious or mildly conscious decision about the most lucrative thing to do next or the most attractive or the most interesting or extrinsically uh, compelling, right? But uh, there was something inside of me that said, you know what, why don't you pause and take stock of who you are and where you come from on a holistic level, not just professionally, what you've learned, what you enjoyed, what you didn't, what you're good at, what you're bad at, but who are you as a person? And how does your background impact you? And what do you want to honor about that background and that legacy? Uh, and so it was that um, you know, intuitive feeling of that there's a different way to go about this, uh, this being thinking about the next step or the next chapter. Um, and that's uh, what compelled me to do it at that point. Wow. That's, that's, that is really special because as you quite rightly say, if there is no external event that really forces you into such a space, I think it's even harder to consciously choose to leave your comfort zone and to visit that white space out there. So tell us, what did you find? I found it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and the biggest gift I've ever given to myself. When people ask me about whether they should do this for themselves or you know how to think about it, I always tell them that there are three dimensions that they need to consider before they uh, take a pause in this way. The first is fairly straightforward and mathematical, and that's the financial piece. Um, are you and if your your family, if relevant here, uh, are you comfortable doing this and for how long and in what way? And it's, it's important just to address that head on, right? So that it's, it's not a poor point of anxiety or distraction for you. The second dimension is uh, thinking about how do you manage uncertainty? Can you be comfortable with it where you'll wake up on uh, Tuesday morning and there isn't th anything you have to do? There's not an email you have to respond to or a meeting you have to get to. Uh, how do you deal with having uh, the open space? Right? And, and if it's something that is not going to be comfortable for you or you feel like it's going to be uh, more difficult and helpful to deal with, you need to address that for yourself. And the third piece is how are you going to manage what I call the soundtrack of expectations? And that's both internal and external. Right? The internal piece that I very much had to manage was waking up again on that random Tuesday morning and saying, okay, Sunil, when are you going to figure this out? When are you going to have clarity on what you're doing? You're, you're making this big uh, decision to hit pause, to leave this great job you have without knowing what's next, take that risk. Uh, when's it happening? Right. Uh, and then the, mm -hmm. the external soundtrack of expectations is talking to people, many of whom are 
well-intentioned and care for you and your friends and your family who are asking some version of that same question. So, Sunil, what's next? What are you thinking about? How long are you taking off? Uh, How are you feeling about this, right? And that is mixed with people projecting their own fears and insecurity on you combined with some helpful, thoughtful questions. Uh, and, And folks usually don't realize that those are combined together. Right. Someone might say, are you worried about how this is going to look on your resume? When in fact, they're worried about how it would look on their own resume if they did that. Right. Um, Alongside asking a really helpful question around, uh, hey, so what was it about the uh, that last opportunity at the startup that burned you out? You know what? That's actually a good question for me. I've never specified that. Thank you. And they might ask that in the same conversation. Right. And so you have to be able to filter the first while internalizing the second. Oh, my God, Sunil, this is so spot on. And I think that truly is something that we all have experienced already in one or the other way. Uh, For sure, I have experienced that. And when you were saying that was the hardest thing you've ever done in your life, at the same time, it was the best gift, the greatest gift. But you also said it was the hardest thing. Was that exactly the hardest thing? to filter, to separate what are the projections of the other and what is really inside of me, what, what is my truth, or was, it, was, it, was there an even harder part? It was a combination of things that made it so difficult for me. Right? It was um, the filtering of the, the expectations. Right? It was processing your own internal expectations and grappling with those. Uh, it was the management management of uncertainty. It's an inherently hard thing to do. I don't care who you are as a human being. Uh, uncertainty is difficult. Um, and the, the first piece of this you know, process orientation around figuring out things, what I was comfortable with, what my wife was comfortable with financially, uh, it's straightforward in terms of we're just talking numbers, but money is an inherently emotional thing for most of us. Right. So the, those process elements, those three things were, were difficult, but there was an added layer of difficulty because I committed to doing in this time, in this white space, uh, some mental exercise. Uh, and that meant four things I had never done before. I started working with a therapist for the first time. I started working with a coach for the first time. I started meditating and I started journaling. All of these things individually were hard to do for different reasons. But fundamentally, the the commonality was I was forcing myself to sit with my own thoughts in a way that I'd never had before. Wow. So that combined with these process elements, as I'm referring to, right, uh, assessing your finances, thinking about your relationship to uncertainty and dealing with the internal and external soundtrack of expectations. That's what made it so challenging. Mm, That definitely answers my question. And what came next then? So as I was doing that mental exercising, I was auditing my personal and professional past, what I had done professionally, academically, who I was, where I came from, what I wanted to honor about my cultural and family background. And I was using that to inform the things I was thinking about from a... a business standpoint and a a what's next standpoint. 
So I explicitly wanted to use this time to do the mental exercising and then to flesh out a few business ideas I had. Uh, the first idea that surfaced for me was around the coaching space. Because as I was doing that audit I just referred to, I realized that on some level, personally and professionally, I had inhabited this role a lot of my life and career. As a friend, as a family member, as a, a person in very different industries of finance, the public policy world, and the tech space, I was a person people often came to to help structure their thoughts or mediate a situation or be a sounding board for something. And in the moment, I realized, okay, this is a different thing I'm doing. Uh, I'm flattered to be asked. I'm glad I could be helpful. I enjoy engaging with people in this way. But I never made much of it because I had all of these conventional roles. I was a portfolio manager and a head of strategy and a head of sales and a policy analyst. And all these things I was doing in those conventional, interesting, and great jobs I was in. Uh, but uh, I took this moment to say, okay, there's there's something more here with this other work. Uh, and then going back to the, the traditional backgrounds I talked about for the coaching space, I realized I don't have any of those. But I had this connection to the coaching work, this inclination towards doing it, and uh, a very different background that I was excited to pair with that. I, what would it be like for someone to, to do this work who comes from a business and commercial background from these different industries? How would that come together? And so I put on my commercial and creative hat and put together a structured framework for how I would do this work and what it would look like for me in a business context. Uh, in true tech mindset, I decided to beta test this idea and shared with my network what I was thinking about. Uh, with the idea of you know, wanting to work with anyone who might be interested in this approach and, and working with me. And fortunately, there was several people who uh, wanted to, to do this work with me. Uh, so I started coaching people formally for the first time in that, uh, in that context. Uh, and that was the origin for me of this business. It sounds to me like this was then from the very beginning when you really started that business... Um, it became exactly what you felt would fulfill you much more than what you have done before. Is that true? Yes, and the path was still uneven and wonderfully weird from that point. Because oh. I knew after working with a handful of people, this was something I had to pursue fully uh, as my work, as uh, something I could build into a business and uh, something even more than that. Uh, I realized quickly that my ability to connect with someone at 30,000 feet in a classic coaching sense and explore deeply and spiritually with them paired with my ability and enjoyment of connecting with them at a thousand feet in a tactical, commercial and operational way, that was special for the person I was working with and very helpful and deeply enjoyable and uh, fulfilling for me as well. Uh, so I knew at that point, okay, this is something I, I, I'm going to explore and, and I have to do. But I was also uh, overcome with some doubt and fear around, uh, am I ready to do something that's so off resume and off my path? Uh, am I old enough? Am I experienced enough? Uh, 
have I done enough to just start my own business in this way? And those fears were amplified by people who I was connecting with to share, hey, I'm thinking about going down this very different path from the things I've done before. Uh, and a lot of the responses I got were some version of, that sounds great. I can tell how passionate you are. Uh, I know how great you would be at that. But why don't you wait until you're X years old with Y dollars mm. to go do that thing? All these bots that's coming exactly. from the outside, right? Right. <laughs> um, and those were fears I had inside myself. So it wasn't hard to latch on to one of them. Uh, right. Uh, and so I did actually. Uh, I gave into that fear and I didn't launch my business at that point. Uh, I had a lot of uh, tech opportunities in the world of finance that were coming in my way, given my background and suitability for that space. And I took one of those opportunities and went and worked for a financial technology company for a year, helping build that firm while uh, doing this on the side in some fashion. Uh, but what that year really was, was me violently fighting inside myself. Because all I wanted to do was start this business, but I just wasn't emotionally and mentally ready yet. And I had to go through that difficult, painful year to get ready and to really confirm, no, Sunil, this is what you want to do. You're ready for this risk. You want to take this risk. Uh, and it wasn't until the end of uh, a year later, after I had gone into the space and started working with some people, that I decided to leave that, that job I had taken to say, uh, it's time for me to make the, the jump. Uh, and it was, a, in hindsight, a, a rather insane time for me to do it because we had just found out after a multi-year uh, fertility battle uh, that my wife was pregnant with our first son, and we were overjoyed. Mm. And I came home mm. one day and said, uh, I know this is uh, sort of crazy, but I've got to go do this thing. Uh, I have to, to launch this business and uh, dive into uh, my work as a coach. I think I can build something here. And to her everlasting credit, she said, I've been waiting for you to do that go do it and we'll figure it out. It was a wonderful point of partnership and uh, and connection. And, and you know, I would not have been able to do that without her and, and her support. But I highlight that. People often ask, oh, if you could do it over again, would you have just started a year earlier at that point? And I say, absolutely not. I needed that year to work through my stuff, to fight with my stuff, myself to feel out of body doing things I was good at, but not great at because I didn't love work anymore. Right? And so that's part of the wonderfully weird path. It's part of the, the journey you have to appreciate of sometimes it takes some difficulty and some challenge to get to where you want to go. Uh, not, not that you have to have that happen, but my point is to embrace it if it does and not to erase it or gloss over it. I, I love telling people the story about that year and talking about how it ended in a really difficult way for me with the company I was working for and, and my, my colleagues there and how I had to sit, sit with some really rough feelings and experiences at the end of that. It's truly enjoyable for me to talk about it just to highlight the fact that that's as much as part of the journey as, you know, what came afterwards, which was the universe being very kind and my business taking off unexpectedly quickly and morphing into what I'm convinced is my life's work, right? All of it is part of the wonderfully weird path. I so appreciate that you're sharing that with us because what I can learn from, from this is that 
we cannot force ourselves violently into transformations. We can, in fact, um, keep ourselves going and pushing into that process, but still we have to acknowledge that it is a process. And I think this is so courageous of you to share that even also with your family and your wife and how she played a big role in encouraging you to follow that process with your own timing, right? She also could have said, oh my God, that is way too risky now. Let's do it a year after our child is born or so. Absolutely. So that is just a wonderful story. Thank you so much. And I really think that is going to encourage many listeners to really staying true to your own path, how weird it ever may be. Sunil, you told me once that you have a very special relationship to time. Mm -hmm. You had an event in, in when you were 18 years old. You shared with me your father died. Yep. Um, would you share with us how that transformed your relationship to time and what followed? Absolutely. That is one of the most transformative moments of my life alongside the other one being at birth with what I already talked about of uh, being born into this circumstance and life of privilege with health, opportunity, and education, uh, and having the gift of time at birth, and then being reminded of that at age 18 when my dad, who was 55 at the time, passed away. Uh, and what that unfortunate tragedy did for me was take this cliche that we've all heard and undoubtedly said of uh, no one knows how much time they have. Uh, mm. We don't know what, what happens in life and transformed it into a uh, unfortunately felt reality of no, you truly don't know what happens tomorrow. Uh, we, we, we truly don't know how many uh, years we have uh, on this planet. Uh, and it helped evolve that to me to say, okay, how, how do you want to respond to both that as well as the, uh, the gift of, uh, of circumstance and privilege at birth? Um, and to me, it's to be as conscious and self-aware and then intentional as you can right? because you don't have an ability to understand how much time you have or to uh, to plan accordingly all you can do is to say those of us who have the gift of time who are alive and healthy let's honor the people who are robbed of it by being as conscious and self-aware and intentional with that time as we can uh, and so this was very much the foundation of the the business i decided to build and the work i do now which i realized that is my primary focus in life right? to make sure i'm staying conscious self-aware and intentional and i realized that through this work i can help other people do the same thing whether they're trying to become a better leader or they're trying to transition to what is next or build their own business my point is, if you're in any of those situations, you are inherently 
working with some great privilege of opportunity and circumstance. Um, honor that and honor the time you have by being conscious and self-aware and intentional uh, with whatever you're thinking about. So certainly at the time, I had no idea uh, it was going to morph into that. Uh, but uh, I do remember uh, that experience or that feeling of uh, thinking about life and uh, everything I was doing, and all of my experiences differently after that. Uh, so it's one of the many ways it, it transformed me uh, for the better uh, that uh, you know, sort of led me to where I am now. Would you say that this is also the legacy you will be leaving behind other than money? Yeah, I, I would love that to be the case. Right? One of the things that I grapple with a lot that you and I have talked about, which is how do you help people appreciate a concept I refer to as time wealth? And this point of uh, we don't know how much time we have. How do you help people internalize that, transform it from a cliche into a deeply uh, internalized reality without having to go through tragedy? That is so true. That's the question I ask myself all the time, too. Sunil, and would you also share with us, because I find that so wonderful, what you have created for children with regard of loss? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking about that. <clears throat> I got involved with a, a wonderful organization years ago called Experience Camps. Uh, this is a nonprofit organization that runs week-long uh, free summer camps for children who have lost a parent or a sibling. And the whole idea of these camps is to spend the majority of the time letting these kids connect with each other and realize that they're not alone in their circumstance and uh, allows them to just be kids and play and have fun and uh, be silly and do all the things that kids should be doing at a summer camp while spending a meaningful and intentional amount of time together sharing and working through the difficult loss they've experienced To transform that loss, as I know you have beautifully done and I continue to try to do, uh, into something positive and meaningful of uh, you know, a source of resilience and perspective and perseverance and realizing, hey, this thing happened and you can still build a wonderfully happy and meaningful life. It's an incredible organization that you know gives the, the kids that opportunity because as you and I both know, Not everyone walks away from tragedy or uh, a loss of a loved one with uh, an appreciation of time. Right? Depending on the circumstances and other things going on in their lives or the support or lack thereof they might have, things can go down a very different path. Right? So this is an organization that helps guide and support um, kids who uh, have to suffer this at way too early of an age. To, uh, to transform it into something that can be you know, positive and uh, meaningful in their lives. Isn't that fantastic? Especially, I think, in times of COVID, where there are also many, many kids and children who lost a parent or a loved one 
to COVID. I think that is more meaningful than ever. Um, so, no, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, to me, it cannot get any more meaningful. So, do you want to share something else? No, just uh, I'm appreciating the, the question you asked around uh, uh, legacy and uh, this idea of how can you help others internalize the the preciousness and, and beauty of, of having the gift of time without that person having to have lost something significant, whether it's a, a person at the most extreme, a loved one, or uh, something else, uh, you know, a job or something else that was meaningful to them. Um, because ideally, that's where you, you want people to, to be able to get to. I would have absolutely loved to have this appreciation for and relationship to time and uh, prioritization of time wealth without having to have lost my dad. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just a, a fascinating, complicated and difficult challenge, but uh, a worthy pursuit in terms of, you know, what, what you and I think about um, uh, for this concept of, um, for legacy, right? And it's, it's, it's a question I ask a lot of the clients I work with often. And you know, most people are not concerned with financial parameters or material parameters to uh, legacy, but rather, uh, you know, how they can affect other people, how they can help other people uh, view things and, and consider things and impact others, right? And, and this is a way, I think, to, uh, to appreciate that impact. So I'm just sitting with a lot of appreciation for your question. Thank you so much for being my guest today on Before It's Too Late. Thank you for having me and thank you for the gifts of your wonderfully thoughtful questions and deep listening. It's my pleasure. I really enjoyed this profound conversation and I hope you did too. For more episodes of Before It's Too Late, make sure to subscribe. If this episode spoke to you, Consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you think might benefit from it. Thank you for listening.